0: Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode 18. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. I am so incredibly excited about this episode today because it's my first guest interview. And wow, what a way to start with Tara Stiles as my guest, who is the founder of Strala, the revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing that's based on the wisdom of yoga. But before I further introduce you to Tara and our beautiful conversation, I first want to remind you that the Healing Catalyst Collective is now open. It's an exclusive and inclusive online community for my podcast listeners in which you get access to resources that I've personally created and curated for you to go along with each episode of this podcast, as well as invitations to private workshops and Q&A sessions with me, giveaways of signed copies of my book, The Health Catalyst, and many of my favorite wellness products. I also want to remind you that I'll be leading all of the collective members in a three-day Ayurvedic reset at the beginning of April, which will only be available to members of the Healing Catalyst Collective. So make sure you sign up through the link in the show notes. Okay, so now let's get back to today's episode and my incredible guest, Tara Styles, As I already mentioned, Tara is the founder of Strala, the revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing based on the wisdom of yoga, and which also incorporates the ancient practices of Tai Chi and Shiatsu. Now, Strala is practiced in more than 100 countries, and thousands of guides lead Strala classes every day all over the world. Tara is a sought-after speaker on topics of entrepreneurship, health, and well-being. In fact, Harvard University profiled her work in a case study, and she's spoken with graduate students at Harvard, New York University, and Princeton about her approaches to creativity and leadership. Tara's also authored several best-selling books, including her newest book, which was just published in December of 2020, Clean Mind, Clean Body. My conversation with Tara was so comfortable and so easy. I felt as if I would known her for years and years, even though this was the first time we had talked in person. We truly are kindred spirits. I think that you'll find our conversation is like listening to two old friends sitting and talking about their experiences and about their perspectives on healing over a cup of coffee. Tara shared her story of how she got started in yoga, as well as how she's evolved in the way that she thinks about yoga and how she teaches it. We talk about her new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body, which takes readers through a four-week detox and why she decided to start with a detox of the mind and spirit before shifting focus to food and movement. You know, Tara's focus has always been about really feeling at ease and feeling good in your body. And she still maintains that point of view, but she talks about how she's evolved from that perspective and how she's realized the power of mindset and how it influences everything else. When I was reading more about Tara and her background, I came across a quote on her website, use what you need, leave what you don't, which I found so interesting because it not only describes her approach to yoga, but it also relates back to Ayurveda and the importance of digestion, of processing everything that comes into the human system from every aspect of life, keeping what's needed and eliminating the rest. I've talked about this concept before, the importance of digesting everything that comes in through all five of our senses, whether it's the food we eat or the sights we see, the sounds we hear, what we smell or what we absorb through our skin, or even what we take in energetically. If we don't digest all of these things from all aspects of our lives, our lifestyle and routines, our diet, our environment, our work and interests, and our relationships, they begin to accumulate as toxins, which then show up as symptoms, illness, and disease. Now, the strength of our digestion and digestifier is a metaphor for how well we process everything, Which directly affects our healing. And so it was so interesting in my conversation with Tara when she shared the story of her realization that her life was creating toxins that were making her very unwell, and that she had to do something to change her life and her lifestyle just when her career was taking off with travel all over the world and opportunities for collaborations coming from every direction. After my conversation with Tara, I believe deeply that she is a light worker, a guide who is here to share what she's learned about how to feel at ease in your body to truly heal. And that the quote on her website, use what you need, leave what you don't, is not just talk, but a walk that she truly walks and a perspective that I share with her. I hope that you find my conversation with the incredible Tara Stiles as nourishing and inspiring as I did. Tara, thank you so much for joining me. I am so thrilled to have you on my podcast today Um, and welcome. It's exciting to see you and be here with you.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm excited to learn from you. Honestly, I love your book. I'm just diving in and just You know, I I love I love everything you do. So I'm
0: just happy to get to know you as a new friend too. So thanks so much. Oh, thank you. I feel the same about you. I just finished reading your book as well in preparation for this interview. But before we dive into your new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body, I'd love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about, you know, what really inspired you to teach yoga. I've read a little bit about your story, but I'd love for you to share that with my listeners.
1: Sure. Well. Yeah, with yoga, I think so many of us have a similar story with yoga. It kind of finds us, you know, when we're looking or not looking, or are kind of looking. But, you know, I grew up kind of simply, I had these straight edge hippie parents, they're still around. And I kind of couldn't wait to get out and get rid of that lifestyle and get to the, you know, the big city and meet interesting people and have interesting experiences. But what I kind of realized later is, everything that they taught me how to grow our own food and how to recycle things that we could recycle and how to live with less, um, were all the principles and everything that I have been attracted to my whole life and want to learn more of. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so I kind of had that foundation without even knowing it. And I danced growing up. I thought contemporary dance would be my whole life. Um, I started as a young age, so that was kind of my, my passion and my path. And Something changed when my ballet teacher brought in a yoga instructor, a very simple Hatha yoga class. Um, uh, you know, it was the first time I saw somebody and this was the teacher sitting at the front of the room and happy for no reason at all. <laughs> I thought, this is incredible. This person, nobody's paying attention to him. There's there's no way he's getting, you know, a lot of financial reward for doing what he's doing. Um, But he has this inner happiness. And I thought this is something that I feel connected to and I want more of for myself. And that was before the class even started. I just thought this is different. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is whoa. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when the class started, I was completely, you know, had this feeling that I was in my own spaceship and this is incredible. And here are these tools and this process to this, to this feeling that I had, you know, we all kind of have. Um, and then my second thought was why doesn't everybody do this? Why don't my friends do this? So I remember leaving that class and just asking more and more people about yoga. Some people knew about it. Some people didn't, this was the nineties. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. kind of like yoga everywhere at that point yet. And, you know, I just, I saw this real, um, not really that i could do anything about it but everybody i talked to that didn't know about yoga i was i was going to talk to them about yoga because it was something that was amazing so that kind of process had definitely led me eventually to sharing it you know i was just so excited about this process that can help so many people but at that time and maybe even still now there's still more people not doing yoga than are so i just i kind of got sucked in um, really without trying to, um, because I really wanted people to do this and people to have this. And, you know, if anybody said, Oh, my, my back hurts, my head hurts. Well, yoga can help you with that. Or I feel stressed or I feel, you know, disconnected from my life. Well, yoga can help you with that. And, you know, I didn't see it as this sort of naive answer to everything, but definitely a process where people could find their own path. in every moment where I got to kind of share yoga with somebody, that sense of fulfillment that I got back was even more rewarding. So I kind of kept on that
0: path for sure. Did you find along the way that you had your own transformation happening? Like when you first got started in yoga?
1: Yeah, definitely. And again, I don't think that was something that I was consciously aware of at all. I felt so excited to find a process and people teachers that could explain these feelings that we all kind of have inside I thought this was unexplainable and you know maybe just for some other realm of existence but here's this here's this way and here's these people on this path so I was you know going to the places and doing some of the things Um, and I think the transformation happened to me without my awareness of it really you know I kept one thing kept leading to the next. When I got to New York, I wanted to learn how to cook better and eat better. And I knew nothing, you know, all I knew was I was hungry, (laughs) you know? So I started following around women in the grocery store that knew what they were doing, or I would make my way down to the the Indian community and just kind of look around and see what was happening. I was trying to learn about Ayurveda without even knowing where to begin or where to start. So, you know, I was definitely... Um, seeking a better way for myself, and and that transformation just happened. You know, I think I, obviously it's still happening through throughout my whole life, but it sort of happened to me um, from my own just uh, curiosity for a better way, for sure.
0: So I'm curious, when do you think that you noticed that you were having some kind of a shift or transformation? Because you're saying that you do you weren't even aware of it. And you know, I write a lot about and I teach a lot about awareness as part of such is such a key of these traditions of yoga and Ayurveda. So do you feel like there's a like a point or a space and time that you can point to of where you started to become aware of the changes that were happening for you inside?
1: I, I honestly, it, it felt gradually like a more of a remembering my early childhood, which seems so wild because I don't have these, these processes like Ayurveda and yoga present there. But the more I started finding Ayurvedic teachers and yoga teachers that could help me connect to myself, the more good memories I had, or not even really even, you know, memories of things that happened, but that returned to that feeling of my, you know, uninterrupted time, you know, exploring in the woods. So I think it was definitely this gradual, wow, I'm feeling more connected. I'm feeling more aware of a bigger sense of myself than, you know, let's go to do this today. And let's go to do that today. And kind of the agenda of the day. So things started to get more and more, I guess, connected feeling and fun. And, you know, even the normal conversations I would have with people would be a lot more expansive and, you know, without fear, I felt like I could talk to anybody about anything. And and just have this excitement and vitality for life. And, you know, I've always wanted to learn from people and do things. But I think that time for me being in New York was really invaluable having that um, learning of yoga and Ayurveda and all of those kind of underground things. Because it really helped me just be easier to be in the world and, and to improve my awareness about what's happening and that connect, connected relationship with people for sure.
0: I really love what you said about sort of remembering and coming back to yourself, because I I think that's something that I've connected to in your work. Um, I have followed you for a while and I've read your books and um, the fact that you see it as a process of coming back to yourself. And I know you wrote a little bit about that, quite a bit about that in your new book about um, this is a process of coming back to who you are and and reawakening sort of the wisdom that you have within you, and accessing that. So I really, I I really appreciate that and honor that because I think that was my experience as well, growing up with Ayurveda as a South Asian woman, and you know, going to Western medicine, thinking that that modern science and medicine was the answer to everything, and then finding myself in a position where I had a lot more questions and I wasn't well. So I went back to what I knew. And started remembering. So I love yeah. that you had a similar experience in a very different way, but a similar experience. You know, I wanted to ask you about your approach to yoga. Um, I think that's another thing I really appreciate about you because we're very uh, kindred spirits in the way that we are approaching these traditional sciences, these age-old traditions and this this knowledge, of coming at it from a perspective that is much more modern while still, Um, really honoring where it comes from, but in the process, it can be difficult because we can be criticized quite a bit, but tell me about how that journey for you of, of really approaching it from a different perspective and, and what that, what that feels like, how that's been for you, your experience. Yeah. I mean, it was exciting and lonely
1: and scary and all of the things until it's not, and you feel okay about it. I guess that's, that's been my experience, but you know, the first teacher I had with yoga was amazing and perfect. And I just assumed naively that everybody who taught this stuff was some sort of angel beamed down from space and they have all the best intentions and they're amazing humans and you can ask them anything and, and, and that kind of a feeling. So what I found was people are people and some people are great and some people are not. And everybody's working on themselves, hopefully. But what I found in a lot of the practices in yoga was a lot of rigidity, um, a lot of, I guess, what we can call now cultural appropriation that I just felt uncomfortable with for me. you know, I'm from a tiny little town in the Midwest, and I didn't feel like it was okay for me to wrap myself in an Indian sari or, you know, uh, or or speak Sanskrit even in an accent. I had teacher friends that were white girls kind of saying, you know, chaturanga. And I'd be like, this, <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not an actress. I have to be myself. So, you know, I kind of backed up a little bit and I didn't want to make anybody feel like what they were doing was bad, but I didn't feel like it was right for me. And then I had a hunch that, well, maybe the people that I'm thinking about and my friends and family that aren't interested in yoga just haven't found a way in for themselves also that feels like them. You know, I was, you know, interested in everybody. I could go to a yoga class that I thought was a little bit rigid and I would still walk away with something useful. You know, I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to kick me out of yoga completely, but I I know back then there was a lot of people going once and then never again, or they would hear something from somebody and then never go again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now, of course, you know, there's so many different things and that can be confusing as well. But I I kind of knew in my, in the essence of myself that, oh, I, ha- I just felt pulled to do this, you know, even against my will, like, oh, I just, <laughs> I wish I could just go to that person who was so happy and there would be more people like that. But I felt, you know, this calling in a way, you know, I don't want to call myself some sort of renegade or, you know, fighting for injustice, but I kind of felt like, okay, I have to do this because I'm meeting people that could be helped from yoga. I'm learning yoga. I can show them yoga and and they're gonna feel like themselves, not because I'm so whatever, but because I can show them how to feel like themselves. And I wasn't at that time finding that in yoga. And you know, it took a long time for me to figure out what was happening besides the obvious things that I would see, like the abuses and the harming and things like that, that kind of come out 20 years later and (laughs) everybody, but but really it was. It was just the the attitude, um, you know, the student to teacher kind of um, pedestal to you're down here or that kind of feeling that was even not really even set up, but passed down and misunderstood in a way by a lot of teachers and the inaccessibility. I mean, whenever I had a great teacher of, of yoga, they would talk to me, and I would be so surprised that somebody would say hi to me in a class. And you know, I don't think all my experiences weren't awful, but you know, within rigid experiences, I would meet great teachers along the way. And um, I just saw such a difference between rigid yoga and the individuals that were just doing something really unique and awesome. And I wanted the unique and awesome to kind of take over. So I think that was my kind of um, spirit of that. And, And the people that would come to my classes weren't coming from another yoga studio necessarily, at least right from the beginning, they were people that were Hearing, oh, this is yoga that feels like me, or this is yoga that you know it's okay if I can't do the pose. I'm not going to get in trouble, kind of thing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of trying to get rid of the misconceptions that are you know based on a lot of reality, but at the same time, that's really scary because you know ever a lot of people are doing it in a different way. So I know, yeah, you you I'm sure come
0: across a lot of that similar path, but I do a lot. And it actually for me, it was um a little bit of an inhibiting factor of putting my work out into the world, to be honest, because I was nervous about um upsetting people that were my teachers of making it too simple or you know, quote, you know, making it too western by not using Sanskrit words, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I had to sort of get out of my head. And like you really see the bigger picture of what I'm trying to do, which is to bring it to more people because it's such powerful medicine, right? And so I almost, as you said, I couldn't help myself either. Um, let me ask you this. How is your um, your practice, your own personal practice or the way that you teach evolved over the past you know, 10 years or so since you really kind of, um, really kind of, you know, expanded your work and have, you know, this training and the, the studio and the classes, how have you seen it evolve? Yeah, well, I think something just by luck that happened was
1: I, I had the privilege to have a laboratory for 10 years without knowing that I was researching anything. And, you know, people would come and they would say, oh, this is so different. And I would literally say for years, it's just yoga, you know, almost <laughs> even wanting to put a tagline, it's just yoga. No, 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 it's so different. It feels great. What's this? Why is this so different? And I would just say, no, 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 it's you're feeling good, and that's the feeling of yoga and you know, let's move on. but you know, so it took a long time to figure out, you know, my interests in the the East Asian healing arts were all kind of coming together. the approach of you know touching people I didn't like when I went to a yoga class, and the teacher would push me further into a position for many reasons, <laughs> just yeah. because I can doesn't mean I want to so you know, I was learning more about shiatsu and kind of where my body position was and where the person was and taking some of these ideas behind that into just physical connection, but also how to create a good environment and a good space and the movement principles of Tai Chi, how to move your whole body in harmony, which I think is really a great thing to think about with yoga, because we can often get so isolated and disconnected. And when really you can do the same thing in a beautiful way and you actually feel good, you know, the yoga pose itself can feel amazing or feel horrible, um, just depending on your mindset, but also how you are in your body. So I thought this is, this is kind of what I was getting at. And, you know, thankfully throughout that time, I was able to kind of take a step back and say, Oh, well, this is happening because, I'm learning about this and Mike is here and he's teaching more about tai chi and then all of a sudden some shiatsu people would come and say, "Oh, you're you're learning about shiatsu. I can tell by how you connect with somebody or how you squeeze somebody's ankles instead of, you know, do some weird massage that somebody learned, you know, on 24th street at the end <laughs> or, you know, mm-hmm. all of these different things that can be infused into into yoga." And I was thinking, "Well, you know, the healing arts are wonderful and they're 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 tried and true tested. I don't need to learn something that was invented last week. I can learn all of these things and I have my whole life to, to get better at them and to learn more of them. And it's not like I'm so great and here I'm going to pass it on, but it's more of putting everything together all at once. And, you know, and then people just say, Oh, it feels, I feel good. I feel great. This feels like me. You know, nobody usually leaves a class with me and says, oh, I I recognize that from Tai Chi and you did the Shiatsu thing on me. And, you know, I would feel like I definitely failed if people were able to kind of extract that a little bit. Um, But, but in a way it just, you know, the intention is for it to feel like a really great expansive experience with the form of yoga. So you shouldn't be able to see much of a difference, except maybe the rigidity isn't there and everybody is, you know, allowed to move in a way that's comfortable because of an example, not because I'm saying, you know, move in a way that's comfortable Mm -hmm. to
0: you. You know, it
1: kind of doesn't matter what you say. And a lot of people say, you know, do what feels good, do what's best for you. But if you really don't mean it, it's not going to come across. And if you're not being the example as the instructor, as you know, with Ayurveda, you know, Mm -hmm. you are so healthy. So I just want to be around you to learn from you and, and, and just you being healthy, I'm already learning so much. So I just, I know enough about leading to know that that's also really important. Right.
0: So I was reading your book, as I said, and I loved it because there's so many similarities. Um, It was almost like, I was like, were we just sitting next to each other writing our books? Because it was really strange to me. It was amazing. But, um, you know, it was really, and and so for my listeners, um, Tara's new book, Clean Mind, Clean Body Is a book in which she takes readers through a 28 day reset that's divided into four parts. And I was really struck by the fact that you started with detoxing the mind and detoxing the spirit before you even touched, you know, uh, change the way you eat, change the way you move. Because in Western culture, and this is something I'm always battling, everybody wants to start with a food list, right? When they come to me to learn about Ayurveda, Dr. Kumar saying, can you give me a food list for my dosha? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know? So I loved that you started that way. And so tell me a little bit about why you, why you did that because you have been, um, you know, traditionally more focused on the physical of how you feel in your body. So why did you sort of, or how did you come to shift how you started in this book?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, it's just obvious to me, you can't, you can't do anything without the right mindset. And for me, you know, I think coming back to your, you're giving me a lot to think about now with awareness. I don't think that I was aware of changing my mindset because I was so focused on talking about feeling good and moving in this way. But really the mindset was always something that I was subconsciously (laughs) working on Mm -hmm. and creating that space and wondering why, you know, when I put an order in a certain way, the movement feels this way, or when I do, when I stand over here, people have this reaction. So I was always kind of, you know, unconsciously thinking about that. And then more when I was learning more about, you know, Tai Chi and Shiatsu and Ayurveda and, and, you know, not even so much yoga, but then thinking about, oh, if you, if you don't have your mind, right, nothing can happen. And, you know, just like every other American I grew up, you know, uh, in, in the, in the, 80s and early 90s, before all of the fat-free stuff hit the shelves, and then I remember whether it was you know Dr. Phil or whoever was talking to my mother on TV had her convinced to bring all of this disgusting things into our house with labels that were gross, and we all got brain fog. And I remember thinking this is ridiculous. And all of a sudden, you could eat the whole box of cookies for the same amount of calories. And the snack wells, the snack wells,
0: yep, those cookies. Yeah. TM cookies.
1: And I'm thinking, okay, this is the beginning of, you know, kind of where we are now. It's, it's kind of this fast wellness kind of a thing. And, you know, as wellness wasn't even a word, you know, I think when we were starting to learn about the, well, you learned about this your whole life, but, you know, maybe for you teaching it, but, you know, it was sort of mind, body, spirit, and then well being. And, you know, wellness is really just maybe the commercial side of things, but, you know, the products of it are selling it so fast. And, I think, in reflecting before writing this book, and kind of looking around, seeing, you know, acupuncture places pop up, which is awesome, but they're twenty minute sessions. And then you buy the candle and you get the green juice, and then you leave and you drink the green juice and you toss it out. <laughs> and then you you go to your massage appointment and you you do twenty five right things for yourself, but they're not working because your mindset is completely off. And again, having a laboratory of a studio for so long, seeing people come in and, you know tell me their problems and i was always you know very you know important for me to to say i'm not a doctor of course you need to go to your doctor i'm happy to listen but it was always because of of mindset right you know whether they were eating the right thing or not eating the right thing it wasn't working <laughs> you know? so either you're not eating the right thing and you should maybe shift because you need to shift first but if you are re- eating the right thing and it's still not working something's going on with the mindset too so i always thought that's what I can offer through a yoga practice is that whole mindset and whether I'm talking about it or not, it it has to be there. Otherwise it's not going to work, you know? So people would come in and, you know, two weeks later, Oh, I'm eating better. I'm feeling better. I changed my job, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these things are happening. And I secretly know, Oh yeah, it's because you're moving in a way that feels good to you. You're giving your mindset some space, but before you think about getting the move, right, you're getting your mindset, right? So Yeah. It has, it's just obvious, but you know, it's such an easier thing to get the food list or tell me the five things or
0: whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Or give me a yoga sequence that I should be doing every single day. Or, you know, this is the exact breath practice I should do in the morning followed by this meditation. Like, you know, it's very prescriptive of what people want in our very fast culture, right? Get better yesterday sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was really struck by um, your very personal story that you shared in the first part as well. You were talking about work life and tech life balance. You know the pace of your work that you were you know, that you had at that one point, your marriage, your miscarriage, and I kept thinking about this perspective in Ayurveda that toxins come from all parts of our lives, right? From every aspect of our lives, and that. Again, in our culture here in Western culture, we're so focused on diet, which absolutely is important and we're very focused on toxins from an environmental perspective, you know environmental pollutants also very important. but we miss so much else, right? So your story really struck um, sort of that that chord with me of of illustrating that. Can you share a little bit more about um, what that was like for you and how that shifted, uh, what you're doing, because it was sort of right at like when your, your career was just taking off in a million directions. How did that tell us a little bit more about that experience?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, again, I think it's a really common story and experience. I think so many people go through, you know, uh, being really busy and things going really well. And then also things not going really well on the inside and you know, for me kind of looking back, like you said, a turning point. And I think that was a huge turning point for me, I needed to kind of drop a bomb on my life (laughs) and, and slow down. I mean, I knew slowing down was something that, you know, I saw as something I was running away from my whole life. I always wanted to have independence from my family and from everybody. And I always wanted to do as, as good of a job as I could do at everything and, and, you know, sort of help as much as I could help and say yes to every opportunity and, you know, be very grateful for all of that. But slowing down, um, was the antithesis of that for me. It seemed like, you know, giving up, you know, or, uh, well, what am I going to do if I slow down? Yeah. you know we all have, I think it's super common, you know, and then even talking about it now, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, it's ok that you slow down because, you know, your career was at a place, then you could slow down. and but for me, you know, it's it's never the same looking at somebody on the outside than it is the inside. And for me, I was very happy to be getting all these opportunities and doing all these things. But at the same time, I was aware that my health was the worst that it ever was, it, you know, and I was eating the right things. You know, and I was and of I course. was sleep. I don't have ever have a problem sleeping. I could pass out on an airplane or whatever, but you know, it's the sheer busyness of it all, and and also the decisions I was making were were ridiculous. You know, I would I would be addicted to talking to my friends in singapore who have a partner studio at 2 in the morning if i felt like i needed to communicate with somebody i needed to fill up myself in that way so i was trying to fill up from others and from experiences instead of filling up for my own you know innerness which you know i've learned from your book so thank you so much and and also just reorganizing you know i i really do believe that you know i can i can do a lot of things but i didn't need to fly to one place and fly home the next day. I could have stayed for a weekend and had some meaningful conversations with people instead of going to the airport and WhatsApping with them and running on to the next thing. I could do the next thing a couple of days from now. So, you know, really learning that you can take advantage of momentum, whether it's personal or career or whatever, and you, you don't need to be a, you know, my mistake was being super manic about it, I guess, and just one to the next, the next, the next, and always, you know, optimizing everything. And I think it's a lot of this, you know, maybe it's the male energy that was coming out of me, but I see it in these, a lot of these podcasts that friends will send me about how to optimize your life. Like, I don't don't really (laughs) need that one anymore, (laughs) you know, how to get more done in less time. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm getting enough done right now. So, you know, but it's so easy, you know, maybe just in our culture and also what's rewarded, you know, everybody's patting me on the back, like, Oh, you're doing such a great job. And and, you know, I don't mean to seem ungrateful for all the opportunities, but, you know, I do think that there is a balance that's possible between achieving and doing things. And also, you know, being aware of, of your self care and how you're interacting with others at that time. I mean, all my interactions weren't positive, you know, looking back, I could probably think I probably snapped at some people for no reason. And that's embarrassing to me now, or I probably was you know, uh, short with some people or, you know, arguing or kind of, you know, getting that kind of aggression out in some weird way and, you know, controlling my time and all of these things that, you know, wouldn't have happened in that way if I could have just found a little bit more balance and had a little less coffee, you know, mm-hmm. at time, a little more turmeric tea <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would have gotten it all done and, and maybe been a lot more calm in the process. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I also think, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because just in the past year, right, with this pandemic, everyone's perspective, well, I mean, maybe not everyone, but I think that everyone's had to take a pause and think about how do we go forward in a different way than we were going because all of a sudden we couldn't do the things that we were doing right? The busyness, the jumping on planes for a meeting and, you know, everything became virtual and suddenly a lot of us had a lot more time on our hands. And so, um, I, I, appreciated that in your, in the intro of your book where you said, you know, I'm writing this forward or this introduction as we're like in the midst of a shutdown of our pandemic last year at this time. Um, and just, you know, reflecting on the past year, cause it's been almost a year Um, of this. So I think it's a forced space for this to happen for so many people. And I, I really hope that people have taken that and that, you know, listening to our conversation, they'll also maybe take the opportunity to reflect even more upon how can they, how are they going to change things going forward so that they don't get in that place of the busyness again, as things open up, because I know that that's starting to happen for a lot of people. They're starting to feel pulled into this busyness of like, I'm gonna to have to do this and this and this and this, and I should have done this, this, and this during, you know, during the pandemic. So, um, it, yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, even, with um, I mean, I'm noticing I don't have a, you know, pro- my schedule is probably more similar to yours now. I mean, we, I don't have a nine to five. You know, I'm not on Zoom all day long, but mm-hmm. I do notice people like to schedule a lot more things now. You can actually do more <laughs> because we're just <laughs> avatars, <now, right> <laughs> you know. And if you want, you can fill up your schedule right now with with anything, whether it's, you know, online learning or meetings or projects or activities, collaborations, like, you know, mm-hmm. ev- you know anything that's popping up new is, is another opportunity to, to choose if you're going to get involved or how you're going to get involved. So I know for me, I'm, I noticed that. And Mike was telling me the other day, he's like, Oh, you're been really busy lately, <laughs> just sitting in the living room, you know, like we have our yoga class, but then sometimes it's just the yoga class. And we have, you know, time to go outside and do everything, and then sometimes I have five more things, and he just says, "Are you sure?" <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 a really interesting opportunity because, you know, we can, we can recreate how, how we were before now and then go back and make it even worse. (laughs) So I I know I'm reflecting on that now for sure.
0: Yeah. And again, it comes back to that awareness, right. Of just being aware of the choices we're making every day. I think that's probably the thing that I'm always saying to my students and my patients is that it all starts with awareness of, of the small things of the big things, and then making choices from there. Um, And understanding, trying to, trying to reflect on why are you making the choices that you're making, right? I'm going to switch gears completely (laughs) and talk about another topic that's really been sort of front and center for so many of us who are in the wellness world, Um, teaching and, you know, lecturing and writing books and all these different things. And, you know, um, sort of the the lack of representation in the wellness industry as we know it in Western culture. I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on this topic and what you think the future of wellness is with respect to representation.
1: Oh my gosh! Well,
0: I know it's a hard question.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's but it's an awesome topic to talk about. I think you know in every stage of everything, and you know I remember over the summer in New York when there was the protests and and everything happening. Um, you know folks in our community just kind of coming together and and wanting to do stuff and wanting to you know be together in all the ways and you know kind of taking a step back and and looking at us you know yeah. saying okay what what do we look like and you know i i definitely you know i think from my life growing up and having that that like not able to put my finger on it but you know standing up for the 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 little injustice in my tiny little sheltered world kind of a thing, and then wanting people to do yoga that, that aren't able to do yoga, you know, seeing my, uh, my mistakes and, and pulling up people that need to be pulled up, but then also not acknowledging why they need to be pulled up. So I would feel for the people of color in our community, so happy that they were there and, and pulling them up and showcasing them on our social media, you know, throughout the times that we've had that opportunity or introducing, you know, Oh, I want to show you to this person or whatever, whatever I can do as a, you know, whatever clout I had, but then also not, not really having the awareness, like you said, of why I'm doing that. And, and, and how hard it must be for, for that person and how, how easy it is for me just to sit here. I'm never going to have that experience being a person of color you know walking into a room being me like doing yoga also being flexible whatever you know like being able to touch my toes but but i also see in how we're able to to lead in a way of ease how that it already opens up an environment for everybody we don't have to say you know you're invited if you're not this this and this and this it's sort of this way of being but you know a constant holy cow i have no idea how it feels. And I need to understand and listen and get involved and read and, and, you know, show up in ways that I don't know how to show up. And I think that's, you know, just super important. I mean, I remember years ago, there was a panel that I was invited to and so nervous at Princeton. And it was, um, it was called the politics of yoga. And it was this gal who started a take back yoga campaign. And I was so nervous to meet her because I thought she was going to hate me, you know, being who I am and how I look and how she is. And then Eddie Stern, who's very serious in his own regard. And, and, a, and a guy, I'm forgetting his name, but he was a historian of, um, of Sanskrit texts. So, but the coolest thing happened. She said, I like how you're not trying to teach yoga in this way of its yoga. You're trying to help people feel better and use the form vocabulary of yoga. So I felt like oh, that's really cool. And she says, well, it just, it just kind of sucks that yoga is getting popular. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't even know how that feels for you because I have my own experience of, well, my friends need to do yoga and it's awesome. And she's like, I want to be included too. And at the forefront of it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like you, you deserve that <laughs> in a way. So, so I have no idea. I think there's just, you know, we all see everything that's going on. I think you know, unfortunately, a lot of people react out of a business interest. You know, you see everybody posting their things and doing the things. And I don't, you know, I don't have a big company, so I don't feel that pressure. And I I I just it must feel so awful to everybody in all ends for that. It just, it's terrible to watch. Um, but I'm I'm hopeful, you know, as well as the reckoning that that you were talking about of having this time of the pandemic, that there can be a a bigger reckoning of, you know more inclusion of all kinds of people of, of respecting, you know, cultures of where these things came from and who the people are here today, like yourself, teaching this stuff, you grew up with this. I did not grow up with this. I'm, I'm learning. I want to share it because it's awesome, but, but I'm learning from you, which is, you know, really important to, to pass on and, you know, for, for everybody to kind of continue to have this conversation and, 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 you know, I always, I love this Ben Harper song. I love playing it in class. It says, I believe in a better way. I know that for myself. I always just feel like some kid from a small town trying to learn more and do better. And, you know, maybe if I keep that mindset, I can, you know, not get in the way so much. <laughs> Sorry, that was a rant. No, it was but,
0: it was great. And I love that you are so open to talking about this because it can be, let's just call out the, the elephant in the virtual room here. I'm South Asian, you're you're white. We've had different experiences growing up and in our roles in the wellness world and how we come at it and and our experience with how people react to us also. And that's okay. You know, I think I think the reason I wanted to ask you that question is because I think it's important for us to have that dialogue and really think about how can we come together and and not be on this side or that side depending on the color of our skin or, you know, where we learned something, if we went to India to learn, or if we learned here or any of that nonsense, I think the the point is how do we all come together? Because ultimately if our, if our goal is to help other people help themselves, then we all need to come together. And it's not about us versus them or you against me or any of that other nonsense, right? I'm a big believer in that. So I appreciate you, um, Engaging in that question with me because I know it's not an easy one to to come out.
1: Oh no, I'm I'm all I I just I've always felt, you know, I mean, also growing up in the dance world, like it's a big Mm -hmm. misfit society, you know. So, and also I think just taking that for granted, not not realizing how hard it has been for a lot of my my all, all my different friends of different you know backgrounds and everything. So I think the, but I love what you said about you know ultimately coming together and seeing how we can serve each other and, and help people and help ourselves and just, yeah, it just, you know, there's, it's so cool to be alive right now, I think if you're open and willing and excited and, you know, I've, I've got some cousins in in the Midwest and Illinois and they're, you know, 16, 17 and 18, and they're doing such cool stuff like in the Midwest. So I just, I just feel like if you're open to improving yourself, it, it's, it's so easy right now to, to do that. So I'm yeah. just I'm excited to learn
0: and, and just to be better for sure. I share your Midwest roots. I'm from Chicago. I grew up oh, in right. Chicago. So we're cool. both Illinois girls. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I, I say the same thing because I have two college age kids, right? Mm. My son is 22 and my daughter is 19. And the things that they are doing, I'm just blown away by. Mm. So it's, it's really inspiring um, to see these, these college kids, these teenagers and college kids just doing these amazing things in the world to bring people together and have everyone have a seat at a large table discussing these, these topics with a lot of openness and with a lot, a lot of love, leaning in and listening to each other, more than just talking at each other, but really listening deeply. So I really appreciate that. Um, do you have time for, I know we have a couple minutes left. Oh, do you yeah. have time for sort of like a speed round of questions? Sure, yeah. Whatever. Okay, what I'm, I'm happy to talk with you. Okay. All right. So. Uh, let's start with the first one. So complete this sentence. Wellness is awareness. Thanks to you. I just learned that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. The next question. What's one myth about yoga that we need to change? Uh, I,
1: I say this just because I hear it so much, but you have to be able to touch your toes. I think if you can't touch your toes, bend your knees, your, your toes will be there eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have to be flexible to do yoga, I think is still you know, a big myth or you have to have any certain body. If you can breathe, you can practice yoga. I think that's, yep. that's really what I hope to leave behind.
0: Yep, I always say that if you can breathe, you can do yoga, absolutely. Um, what's something that people often get wrong about you?
1: About me? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know if they get anything. I think all criticism is essentially right. Sometimes (laughs) there's some truth to that, but, you know, I think people, you know, I think everybody has it all together. And I think that's not really exclusive to me, but maybe some people might, I think that, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what other people necessarily thinking, but, but yeah, or just, you know, because I teach ease that everything is easy for me. I think I Share ease, because I, I want to make harder things easier for myself, and I find value in that, so I don't find things easy, but i I like to try to find ways to make them easier.
0: Beautiful. Um, what's something that most people don't know about you? Oh, gosh, these are tricky.
1: Um, that you want to share: <laughs> that I want to share. <laughs> Oh, I guess I'm just you know. I think a lot of people don't know that I'm just a country girl because I've been in New York for so long, but I've always felt and identified as that. Just so excited. I mean, I grew up watching the black and white, ridiculous show, the Beverly Hillbillies. And I just <laughs> felt like, oh, they're, they're in this whole other world in Los Angeles, but they're still themselves in this very odd way. And I've always kind of felt you know, a fish out of water in New York, but just so grateful and excited to learn from everyone. But I've always kind of felt like I've got a rope tied around
0: my waist for a belt. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What's one thing you're really excited about right now?
1: I think now, I mean, not to sound too corny, but um, especially this time, like, ha- like meeting you, getting to know you, having conversations with you and, and new people. I, I feel for myself, maybe because I've had this time much more open than I've been in the past. And I feel like I've, you know, probably generally been open, but open in a in a in a more learning way and more kind of self-awareness, you know, excitement to to learn and grow and share and support and just be in the soup of it all in a new way. So
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just
1: I'm really open to this you know, I think there really is a a new wave happening now of, of connection. It just feels so easy to reach out to people and, and like, like they might respond.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) mean, I I had that experience with you. I reached out (laughs) and you said, yes, so I appreciate that. I absolutely agree. Um, what's one thing you're deeply grateful for right now? Oh gosh, my family for
1: sure. Mike and Daisy and just, um, yeah, being able to be safe and have each other and, you know, hugs and squeezes and, and that just them around me is amazing. So grateful.
0: What book is on your nightstand right now?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, actually I do have yours on my <laughs> nightstand right now. And another one that you probably that know, because it's, it's, a uh, you know, a little ridiculous, the web that has no weaver. Mm-hmm. Just, um, yeah, it's, a. Uh, I I'm just trying one. to get my way through the the meridians and all of the things, and it's so incredible how um, you know east all of the East Asian culture is amazing for us Westerners, but it completely contradicts how we think about everything, which I am so fascinated by. <laughs> you know, the individual versus the community, but it really gets me thinking so much about where we're all trying to head and work together, like you said, come together and. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that there is a new beginning for the, the healing arts coming to us again in this real way. So I, I
0: read a few pages and I think about it for a week and keep going with that. <laughs> those are those are dense texts. Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. Um, what's a song you're listening to on repeat right now?
1: Oh gosh! Besides the Frozen soundtrack, because (laughs)
0: because
1: you have a little a little child, yeah, Uh, yeah. Frozen for sure, but but no, I I always come back to Ben Harper. I believe in a better way. And the moments when I do have time to listen to something, I'm usually cooking dinner or preparing something and thinking about the things that I've learned from you with Ayurveda, kind of creating that restful experience for myself. So playing music has become um, actually part of my routine since reading your book. So thanks for just. Allow. I'm thinking about things and
0: learning so much in, in that way. Amazing. Okay. Two more questions. This question is actually from a fellow Chicagoan, cool. um, President Obama, because I'm a big fan of his, but um, living in Chicago, going to the University of Chicago, I have a lot of connections to him, but he always asks this question of his fellows, describe your world as it is and how you'd like it to be. Oof
1: coming up with the good ones. Is. <laughs> There's only one after this. I, yeah. I. Oh, gosh, I, I love that. I want to hear everybody's in the whole world's answer to that, that he's asked and you've asked, but I think the world as it is right now feels raw. I, I think it feels really raw and, you know, how it could be is, you know, coming together. I think, as you said, I think we're all Craving that, and hopefully working toward that because we're wanting it so much. So, yeah, I think it's we're raw and we're you know hoping to come
0: together. It's beautiful. And the last question, I think, it's a good place for us to end. If I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you?
1: <sighs> Gosh, I think that brings up connection. I think connection to myself and uh, realizing that that connection is a conversation with the world around me as well so that awareness between my own healing transformation journey and how that's a part of everything around me and you can't i know for myself i don't ever want to take my own situation for for granted and you know keep things for myself that i've learned or that are are valuable for me and kind of open up and see how It's better for my well-being if I get involved or have a better conversation with somebody or open a door and how that's uh, the healing kind of conversation in a way.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I so appreciate it. It was so wonderful to talk to you. Oh, you're amazing.
1: I hope to hang out again soon. That would be Awesome. awesome. I would love that. I would love that. Thank you
0: so much. If you loved this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at AvantiKumarSingh.com, and you can subscribe to my newsletter where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.